0: Well, it's almost here, a week from now. Can you believe it? The paper will be flying, the kids will be squealing, and with that excitement, the teenagers will be plugging in their devices, and they'll be playing uh, games and everything. The dinner prep will happen, but maybe, uh, hopefully, at the end of the day, next week, Sunday evening, you'll be sitting in your recliner and breathing in the joy of Christmas and thanking God for sending a Savior, Jesus Christ. However, you celebrate it, it'll be a week from now. We've been talking about the difference between an almost Christmas and an altogether. Christmas and almost Christmas it hits the seasonal highlights of the culture and but misses out on the life-changing power of God and how tragic that would be if we don't fully grasp and take what God wants us to know and learn to make it an all together Christmas so I want to get the ball rolling with a little poem that explains what this is all about I want to show you a video of people who have channeled their inner Dr. Seuss. Let's check out this video about what I'm talking about. It the week before Christmas, and at a Cheryl and Steve's place, a look of awe hit their friend Edward right in the face. Wow, you really went all out. Going all out is what we're all about. Mm-hmm. All year we can't wait for Christmas to begin. Well, if Christmas were a competition, you two would surely win. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> I mean, we've got the tree, we got the lights, we got all the Christmas sights. Yeah, you even have uh, Bing Crosby and some uh, festive tights. We've got all the Christmas glee, from that choo-choo train there to this, merry embroidery. You overdoing it with the Bing Crosby? <laughs> we deck the halls with shimmering snow. All the gifts and well. Little missile. Not now, babe. As you can see, Christmas is all about the bouquet. That's why we go all the way. Mm-hmm. We- which way? The way. All the way. Well, I don't think this is the way. Question our way, you say? Babe. Well well, there's there's only one way. One way? What way you say? Well, his way. Wait, I'm sorry. Whose way? God's way? No way. Yes way. Who say? Yahweh. Wait, no play? No play, I mean what I say. Should we delay? (laughs) Do it today. Okay. Okay. You see, Jesus, God's Son, said I am the way, the truth, and the light. I'm sorry. We don't mean to cause strife. This is just a lot for me and my wife. It's okay. It can be hard giving everything over to God, but He can change anything, no matter how flawed. And Christmas is the perfect time to join God's squad. Okay. But can we still have the sweaters, the carols, and the Christmas cookies? What about these? I'm sorry. My husband and I, we seem mm. to be rookies. Have all the fun, Cheryl and Steven. But just remember that Jesus, he's the reason for the season. Jesus came to Earth for you and me. He paid the ransom to set us free. I've never heard such a rhyme. Your words, your heart, all sublime. Huh. Thank you for choosing to assist us. My pleasure. Hey, Merry Christmas. <laughs> I love it. The rhyming, Jesus is the reason for the season, my friends. And that's what we're talking about, having an all-together Christmas. And this Advent uh, sermon series has been uh, loosely based on, on John Wesley's uh, sermon titled, The Almost Christian which misses out on just the dynamic ways in which God wants to transform our lives to where we're all together Christians and celebrate an all-together Christmas. And so we've, we've talked about Advent, uh, the themes of Advent throughout the past few weeks here. And you can see the banners as they've descended each week by week. You know, we've talked about peace. We talked about uh, hope. We talked about love. And today I want to talk to you about an all-together joy. Everybody wants joy, my friends. Everybody needs joy. Without joy, our hearts will shrivel We'll lose a vision for the future. You know, we we'll get rocked by every storm that blows into our lives. We're riding high one day, and the next we're crashing down because of something or somebody, what they said or did or posted online. Well, let me ask you today do you have a joy in your life that sustains you right now? Where, to where the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, people confuse joy with happiness. They aren't the same thing. Joy is not happiness. Happiness is an almost joy. Happiness depends on what is happening. I'm happy when I drive through and watch those Christmas lights down at Riverbend. even passing on 471, seeing them. I'm happy when I'm chowing down on some beef tenderloin that's covered with Bearnaise. I'm happy when the Bengals win. That's all good. But the problem is, is those things are manufactured by outside circumstances. They are almost joys. They're not the joy of the Lord. We'll say that we have joy. We'll believe that we have joy. But the acid test is this. What happens when things don't go your way? When the externals aren't so good. That's an almost joy. Just like these babies up here. Check them out. (laughs) Right? (laughs) They've had enough. (laughs) That's fine when you're a baby, but church, it's time for us to grow up into a faith and it's time for us to have an altogether joy. And I want to introduce to you the path and patterns of how to have an altogether joy. You see, we want the joy of the Lord, and the Lord wants you to have joy. And an altogether joy is not dependent on your external circumstances. It's not dependent on your friends or your family to give to you. It can impact your happiness, but when you have an altogether joy, it can't be stolen. Joy is is dependent on faith in God. Joy is about the inside work that God does. Joy comes from the Lord. Joy is a gift of God through our salvation, my friends. And joy is seen in tough times, when those tough days hits us. When we say, in those tough times, my God makes a way where there is no way. My God is faithful when everyone else is not. And when you screw up, joy reminds you that God has delivered you from sin. And you can be forgiven. And you can experience eternal life beginning right now. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And living in that existence gives us joy. You see, joy comes from knowing that God works all things out for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. So your faith determines your feeling of joy, my friends, not your circumstances. So why don't we have joy? I can go through many, many reasons. But let's go straight to the jugular here. In the Bible, there is one major reason that we do not have joy. And it is a three-letter word, sin. You see, sin silences joy. Sin always causes chaos and loss. Sin is a joy exterminator. And think about this. What sin produces. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Death to a lot of things. Death to relationships. Death, death to communion with God. Death to joy. A good story about this is the story of David and Bathsheba. Which is spicy enough for Netflix. King David. He stays home in the spring. He's out walking out on the roof of his castle, his palace. He looks down and he sees a woman bathing. He asks someone, who, she, who is she? And that person tells her that it's Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, one of your elite soldiers, like your Navy SEAL soldiers. David calls for her. He sleeps with her. Eventually, she finds out that she is pregnant with David's child. He asks someone to send for Uriah. Uriah, her husband, comes home. David tries to get him to sleep with her to cover up his sin, but Uriah would have nothing to do with that. He actually sleeps outside the palace because he doesn't want to have any benefits that his soldiers out in the field have. What a crazy contrast! King David is supposed to be out in battle, but instead he stays home, and this secret sin begins to consume him, and he begins to cover things up. He sends for Uriah again, tries to get Uriah drunk, but Uriah does not go home and sleep with his wife. So David sends him to the front line, gives an order to that general, Joab, saying, send Uriah to the front, and then when he gets in front of the enemy, Pull back the troops, and Uriah ends up being killed, but really murdered. The deception is in David's heart. He's committed adultery, he's committed murder. And after Bathsheba mourns for her deceased husband, David sends for her and he marries her. This man, who was known as a man after God's own heart, was breaking God's heart. And God had had enough. God sends Nathan, the prophet, to David. And Nathan tells a very powerful metaphoric story. He tells about a rich rich man who has many, many multitudes of lambs and sheep. And a poor man who, who saves up all of his money to buy a little lamb. And this, man, this poor man loves this lamb so much that the lamb eats off of his table. And then he, even, he even cuddles with the lamb and takes care of his lamb as if it were his own son. Nathan tells David that this rich man has a guest over for dinner. And goes to the poor man, takes his lamb and slaughters it and prepares a meal for the guest. David is outraged and asks, who is this man? And Nathan says, you are the man. Conviction comes down like a hammer on David. And he begins to write and petition for God to restore him. He confesses his sin in a very powerful way. Sorrow and guilt and pain are filling his heart. And he wants his joy restored because the sin has obliterated that joy completely. But we see that David truly was a man after God's own heart, the way he responded to the conviction of these sins. And he wrote his confession in Psalm fifty-two, verses 1, Psalm 51 verses 1 through 12. And if you're dealing with a lack of joy because of your sin this morning, I want you to close your eyes and listen or look at this up on the screen. David writes, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desire faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. spirit to sustain me. You see, my friends, that's how your joy gets restored. Authentic, heartfelt confession is the pathway to healing and restoration. Restore my joy, O God, because my sin has obliterated, says David. And it's a pathway to a faithful joy and a restoration of communion with God when we approach God in this way. We hear the rejoicing found in God's forgiveness, permeating our lives you see the pleasure of sin not is not only wrong and dishonoring to god it's also harmful to others leading to a diminishing of joy in our lives sin enslaves us and we have to keep sinning with an ever-increasing intensity to continue the excitement or the absence of pain or a better image or the control. David was restored to a beautiful relationship with God after his confession and forgiveness of sin. And he wrote so many psalms, so many more psalms about worship and thanksgiving, and that God removed David's guilt and shame. Confession, repentance, and removal of guilt makes our heart whole again. It also resets our our physical and emotional state. Being cleansed of sin is joy. Look at the beginning of Psalm. uh, Psalm David wrote, Psalm 32, 1 through 2. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those who record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. I want that freedom for you today, my friends. That's the freedom that we proclaim here at Anderson Hills. Do you? If so, how do you get it? Like I said, first is joy from confession and knowing without a doubt that your sin has been removed. Beloved, is in the forgiveness of God. No condemnation, no penalty. I love proclaiming in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Do you believe that you are forgiven and we are saved from our sins? You see, our Savior, whom we celebrate this time of year. And look at the announcement from the shepherds on that Christmas morning. Luke 2, 10 through 12, it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. For today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths. And lying in a manger. Proclaimed by angels, my friends, in the city of David, you will find a Savior. A Savior who came to remove, save us and remove our sin. That's what Jesus did. And we need a Savior. Saved us from our sin through the work of the ministry of Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. And He atoned for that sin. And through the gift of our Savior, we are saved from an eternal separation from God. And and God in Christ Jesus wiped out that penalty. And maybe these shepherds didn't comprehend of all of what this Savior meant, but they still took off running and said, the Savior has come, the Savior has come. And that Savior has come for you, my friends. And they didn't understand it all. The shepherds didn't. But we do. We hear it now in this season of advent and we walk toward it in a week you see joy comes from jesus the lamb of god who has taken away the sin of the world and only when we realize who christ is and what he's done for us a reality of his continuing presence that joy is ours and it becomes a living reality in you christian joy is that inner communion and fellowship with god brought about through faith In Jesus Christ as his son. I remember the first time I was filled with the joy of the Lord. Salvation came into my life and it was in May 1991 when I attended a college retreat called Chrysalis. In Piqua, Ohio at Green Street United Methodist Church. At that time in my life I was deeply separated from God. I don't want to go into all the cruddy details but I was living in rebellion mode. I was living for myself and my heart was selfish. Just a few weeks before the retreat, I broke off my engagement to one of the most beautiful women in the world, my wife, Kim. And I was partying. And I would compare it to the prodigal son living in the far country, looking down on the slop. And I was in the slop. While my ex fiance called me and said do you still want to go on this retreat and I said yeah I committed to it I've paid for it on the first night of that retreat I heard for the very first time in my life the story of the prodigal son and there was a call to leave the far country and a sinful life and come home to God I confessed my sins I gave my life to Jesus Christ and immediately I was filled with the joy of of the Lord powerfully and I've experienced that joy of the salvation and now even in the ups and downs of life I have found joy knowing Jesus in all situations you see this is so much deeper than a feeling or temporal circumstances you're facing even in your situation maybe it is even terminal here on earth we serve a God who is a resurrection do you feel weak well the joy of the Lord is your strength and if your joy is found in a seasonal, seasonal celebration well, you're just a couple weeks away from packing up that, quote, joy and putting it back in the Christmas block boxes in the closet. And then you face the, the painful reality as told to you by the scale and the credit card bill. But if your joy is found in the life-transforming relationship with Jesus, you're going to experience an incredible joy year-round, my friends, today. Is the day of salvation for you, my friends. Today. You can experience this now. Have you sinned and are you feeling guilty? Psalm 35 says, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. Are you sad because of loss? John 16, 22. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. Have you put your trust in material things or in money and find that to be empty? Psalm 4, 7 says, fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. And most importantly, do you have a joy from knowing Christ Jesus and being saved by him? 1 Peter 1, 8 through 8-9 says, Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible, glorious joy. You are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. I want to invite you to experience that kind of joy in that new life today, my friends. You see, joy comes with a new hope that we have a Savior who has not only saved us from sin, but also from the consequences of sin, which is separation from God. Oh, you have a God that desires to draw you in and commune with you and pour His joy in you today. You see, Christ constantly held up to His disciples the hope of eternal life. Today is the day of salvation for you. If you have not come to God and sought forgiveness and reconciliation with Him, why not? He's calling for you to do that today. Today, maybe you want a new start with God, being cleansed through the ministry of a humble confession. Today, like David, you can experience God's forgiveness and cleansing for your life and being filled with joy of salvation by faith my friends I want to take just a couple minutes for just some time of silent confession for you just to to lay anything that you feel like is causing a barrier between you and God and confessing that unto the Lord any sin confess that unto the Lord let's pray in silent confession time The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. And he forgives us of our sins and cleanses us of all unrighteousness. The Bible also says as far as the east is from the west, so he has separated us from our sins. So in the name of Jesus Christ, my friends, you are forgiven and freed, freed for joyful obedience. Beloved, today is your day to have that joy permeate your life and remain and abide through all circumstances. Amen.